Thanks for the memory of rainy afternoons, swingy Harlem tunes, motor trips and burning lips and burning toast and prunes. How lovely it was. Thanks for the memory of candlelight and wine, castles on the Rhine, the Parthenon. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast, wherever you are uh, checking us out from. Is it YouTube? Is it the other video podcast platforms? Or are you listening for free on the major podcast platforms as well? So I have the audio, I have the video, I give you plenty of opportunities to do consume all things Tony Mazer. And that is my name. I am the host. That is my podcast logo if you are watching on the video. Uh, if you want more podcasts like this, early access to guests and solo shows, go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. And uh, for three, five, and $10 tiers, uh, you get all that. I'll give you bonus episodes and all that fun stuff. Well, enough about my podcast. Let's talk about another podcast. And uh, it is my guest today, and it is Jonathan Rosen. Jonathan is the co-host of a great podcast. And when I say that, I'm not just saying that because, you know, you'd be, you're be you an interviewer and you say, well, he's got a great show and you haven't even checked it out. But that's what they say. That's what you say in the business. No, I have checked out this podcast. My problem is I don't have enough space on my phone to download all of these podcasts. <laughs> he has so many great guests on here. And uh, it, it's co-hosted with a child actor, uh, Ike Eisenman. And so it's Ike Eisenman and uh, Jonathan Rosen. It's called Pop Culture Retro. And you guys, I mean, it's incredible. But first of all, uh, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for doing the show here. Well, thanks for having me. So I want to run through some of these guests that you have. Sure. I, I mean, it, it's it's honestly, it's incredible because you, you've been doing this for a couple of years. There's 140 episodes, and yet there's gold in so many of them. And I don't say that I don't say that lightly. I mean, you have a lot of major guests and a lot of interesting guests. It's not even just A-listers. It's uh, child actors who grew up and did something else. It's somebody who was a, uh, a, a character actor in something, or you guys just do just play off each other and talk about something that whether Ike has been in a movie and you break it down or yeah. you'll, you'll find a, a random movie like shakes the clown with Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> and Marty fromage. And uh, it, it, it's great. And that's uh, so I, I got an opportunity to listen to your podcast and, uh, but I, I want to mention some of the names of people if they really want to dig and do, do a deep dive in your podcast. Here's just a couple of them. Uh, you have you had Mark Evanier, one of the most recent guests you've had on. George Schlatter, Laughing Fame and Turn On. I'd like to hear more about that. Hank Garrett, Sergio Aragonis from Mad Magazine, Robert Hayes of Airplane Fame, Tommy James of Ch Tommy James and the Shondells, D. Wallace. You had Paul Williams. You had Gary U.S. Bonds. You had Felix Cavallari, Anson Williams, George Chikaris, Tommy Chong, and. You've also had some of my podcast guests as well on there, in, including Bruce Valanche, Dave Thomas, uh, John Davidson, and Hal Linden. And I mean, and that's that's not even covering all of it. So you guys really have something going for you here, and it's it seems to be really taken off for you. Yeah, you know, when you say the shakes the clown one, that one still gives me nightmares because I hated that movie so much. I shouldn't. You hate? Why did you hate it? <laughs> we do a segment called Forgotten Films, where you know. Either something that no one remembers, or maybe that we liked that maybe didn't get its due. And uh, so, at one point, Ike and I used to try to torture each other with something that we thought that the other one would hate. Takes the clown he picked, 
And I, like five minutes in, I was like, oh my God, I have to watch like another 80, 90 minutes of this. <laughs> I, I just, I thought it was like not a great movie, but uh, we've gotten away. Now we try to find something that we think that the other one might like, like Hidden Gems. But uh, I, I just, I saw Florence Henderson in it and I said like, who the hell did Florence Henderson piss off that she had to make this movie? She did. She did a movie with Jackie Martling too, where they're making out. So it seemed like Florence. Yes. Uh, I don't know if the uh, the Brady Bunch residuals were really flowing in for. Checking in, they they ran out at that time probably. No, that's that's really cool. But uh, I mean, all of those those guests and uh, and by the way, uh, full disclosure, we're recording this on Groundhog Day. So you also had Stephen Tobolowski on, who played was, Ned Ryerson. Great. And yeah, was, I was I was bored the other day and I was watching a documentary on Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I don't know if he mentioned this in the podcast at all. He did. We talked about Stevie Ray Vaughan there. But uh, uh, mention it. He's good friends. He was, you know, still is, was good friends with Stevie Ray Vaughan. And they, they were in a band together. One of their, I believe both of them, it was their first band. So how weird is it that it's, uh you know, Phil, Phil Connors, yeah. it's Ned, <laughs> Needle Nose Ned, Ned the Head. And he was in the same band playing guitar next to Stevie Ray Vaughan. How weird is that? It was incredible. It was like, you know, that's one of the fun things about doing the podcast is, you know, you're doing the two, you know, you find out little interesting nuggets that you had no idea about or that just, you know, like fascinating things. And, you know, you find something with everyone who's on, you know, every everyone that's on, no matter how big or how, you know, you know, behind the scenes, maybe that they were, um, there's just been something fascinating that you find out about them. And I, and I will watch Brown Hockey later today. It is a, a ritual to watch every year. You have to. It, it came on last week on AMC with commercials and stuff. It's not like it's a dirty movie, so it's not it doesn't need to be edited. But it it feels like it's it feels like it gets Groundhog Day because it's three three hours long with the commercials. But I you know again <laughs> you have to do it in time. But some of those uh, some of those guests that you had on that uh, I really want to hear. I, I've got a lot of time at work and I'll pop in my earbuds and listen to podcasts. So I I, I want to hear the George Slaughter one. Anything interesting fun. that popped up because you know, he's got that gruff voice. He's uh, people forget about how big he yeah. truly was in Hollywood in the days when we had three channels, three stations on right. TV, yes. and Laughin was watched by half of the country. Right. Now, he, he told, George told some really great stories. You know, it's funny. We've had a few guests on in their 90s, and they've told amazing stories. And they, you know, just like it was yesterday for them. And uh, they were really with it, with everything. And, and George told a lot of fun stories, you know, about the making of Laugh-In, and, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, how he got it, how they tried to slip things by the censors. So he was great. Was it the Farkle family? I was that, don't was that what, what I'm thinking of? I don't remember what it was. There was one thing. I, you have to watch it there because too, because he tells it much better. But there was one thing that they, they got an, a nipple by the censors. So, <laughs> so it was very interesting, very entertaining. Well, they, and he was also behind what the one of the most. It, it's weird because I'm starting to see more clips of it online. Is this show called Turn On? Yeah. And it, in, it, for folks who don't know what Turn On was, it was a it ended up being one episode. It was supposed to be this 
new age coming of the age like a 1969 series of with computers and it was a little bit a uh, little racier a little raunchier for the day in in the late 60s and their guest star was Tim Conway who was always joked about that he uh I think I think he used to have a license plate that said 13 weeks which was how long every series <laughs> he was on this one however and I'm broadcasting I'm just up the street from Cleveland Ohio the oh, local ABC affiliate WEWS actually cut turn on halfway through so tim conway and i believe george slaughter said this their rap party for the first episode was also their going away party because <laughs> by the time hello it got to the west coast they didn't even see it hello and goodbye yeah we it was talked me i didn't i don't think i knew that tim conway story actually so that's it that's fascinating but uh yeah he, he did he did mention it he did mention that some of these things that, that he worked on were, were ahead of his time um you'd have to watch the two because some of the things i don't remember fully and i should and so it's like i'm embarrassed now but yeah we did i do remember we did discuss turn on what were some of your other uh, favorite guests whether they were like of george slaughter level or somebody that was a character actor some of those guys that you go hey that guy yeah that guy i remember that guy he's that guy in that show you know i like uh, you know i will say all right i'll say give a diplomatic answer to it, and it's true I like all the guests for different reasons. I like all the guests. You know, look, you don't you reach out to someone because you like them. You have you have a respect for their career or something that you like them in. So you do. But you know, certain ones do stick out. Like Paul Williams, I absolutely love just because I loved him as a kid, and I it was like one of the few times that I was really awestruck with who I was interviewing. You know, so it's like you had that feeling that brought you back to childhood. Uh, and a lot of the same reasons that I like some of the other guests is just because I was brought back to childhood with them. We had Mino. Do you remember the show Voyagers from the eighties? Um, yeah, I, re I remember, I don't remember watching it, but I do remember it. Okay. There was a show time travel show with, uh, Mino Palouse and it was John Eric Hexham. John Eric Hexham, people know now because he accidentally killed himself with. Was it know, cover up? Was that what the show was called? Up. Exactly. It. Right. That was after Voyagers. So Voyagers only ran for one season. It was my, I loved that show so much as a kid. And I had, we had on, you know, Palouse was the kid in that. And so that really, I love that one just because it brought me back to childhood. It was like the show that I loved as a childhood and get to hear all about the, the behind the scenes stories. Uh, another one, again, if, you know, if, you know, the choose your own adventure books also mm -hmm. hugely popular in the eighties. So, those I read religiously. They were my favorite books, you know, as a kid. And we had on Edward Packard, who was the creator of that series. So for different reasons, I loved I loved going back and talking to these people just because it, it, they were special to me in my childhood. Um, one fun one that we just had on recently was, and for a different reason, we had on from The Mummy, Kevin J. O'Connor, who played Benny in The Mummy mm -hmm. and uh, the bad guy. So he had reached out to us and that he enjoyed the podcast. And I was like, I was absolutely blown away. That's great. <laughs> Just absolutely blown away. And so you know, immediately I bounced it like, Oh, would you like to be on? And you know, so he did. So it was, it was fun that you, you just don't know who's watching you. That's one of the things. And, you know, with the couple of the guests that we've we've both had on, one of my yeah. favorites, and I, I referenced him, I think it was my favorite podcast I did was with mm -hmm. Dave Thomas. 
of SCTV. Great. Of course, everyone knows the you know McKenzie brothers, and he was on Grace Under Fire. But I, I had him on because he had a he had a book out. He was he had a um, science fiction book. It was about two or Fine. three years ago. I did yeah. this, and uh, so I, you know you you have somebody on. That's kind of what ends up happening. For I think everybody knows and Britain not breaking any new ground of tearing down a fourth wall. But when you have people on, it's usually what are you here to promote? You have a book out, you have this and that. (laughs) So having Dave Thomas on, yeah, I want to talk about his book and everything. It's kind of interesting. It's like, hey, what's Dave Thomas doing nowadays? And I'm assuming he probably thought, oh, here we go. They want to hear about the McKenzie brothers. I never mentioned Rick Moranis or the McKenzie brothers. I wanted (laughs) to hear about his Bob Hope impression, how he got to be a huge (laughs) Bob Hope guy. And like Tim Conway and like Yours truly, Bob Hope, also hailed here from Cleveland, Ohio, and I wanted to hear more about it. And he does the perfect impression of it. I, I it's it might be my favorite impression of anyone, <laughs> anybody. I'll say with Bob Hope, just to mention, Bob Hope is probably my all-time favorite comedian. I think just absolutely brilliant. I think nobody had better timing than Bob Hope. And I was grew up watching the road pictures. Oh, it's funny that you mentioned him. But yeah, we did discuss the Bob Hope impression, doing doing it for him. And uh, Dave was Dave was great. So many fantastic stories. I don't I don't know if I could have had as much self discipline as you not to talk about the McKenzie brothers, but I, but I get it. Well, and and that was the thing was the McKenzie brothers. I remember watching it when I was a kid, but I as a non Canadian, I didn't really get it. And in fact, I love SCTV so much. I kind of feel, and no offense, Dave, if you're watching this, I felt it was one of the weaker parts of the show. I thought there were so many great things. Like, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll put this here if you're watching on the uh, um, on the stream here, the Bob Hope Desert Classic from SCTV with Eugene Levy. And it, so he's, he's in the desert. So Bob Hope used to do all these golf tournaments in Palm Springs and would bring in world leaders and athletes and everybody. And, uh, Hey, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we got, uh, you know, uh, we're bringing out uh, Joey Heatherton and, uh, Brooke Shields coming out. And, he just does this perfect impression. And that's almost all I wanted. I may, may have spent a full hour <laughs> talking about Bob Hope, but the one thing, and I wanted to ask you about this, cause you mentioned you loved Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Why now I love Bob Hope, but I'm interested to hear this, that people under 80 who actually liked Bob Hope, because by the time he got to the baby boomer generation, a lot of baby boomers were like, yeah, he's a war hawk, and we're this is the Vietnam War. He's cheering on war. We don't want any of this. Bob Hope was my parents' generation. Yet, I think a lot of people don't understand that the timing, the the award show, the monologues that we see that are commonplace today are a lot of it is stem from Bob Hope. Bob Hope's better. Yeah, I, I don't think people are going to give him his due if that's all that they think about him and not look at his career. Like I said a few minutes, Bob Hope had the best timing, just absolutely best timing to me. I grew up watching, you know, in the house. My my dad used to watch a lot of, you know, older movies, you know, not I guess not for him older, but older movies for me. And we I grew up watching the, the road pictures, you know, those are some of my favorite movies. Uh, you know, Bob Hope being Fosby. Watched a lot of Marx Brothers. We watched Abbott and Costello things together. So I grew up with an appreciation for all those old classic movies. And um, but my favorites were the road pictures. 
Oh yeah, the, I mean, and the one thing that was interesting is you saw the Bob Hope that was a little bit different. As my, my by the way, this is my cat Harpo here who <laughs> just popped up next to me because I, I in my twenties I was a big Marx Brothers fan, and you oh. think about how I think there's a an old radio show that people should go check out, and it has Bob Hope and Groucho going back and forth. And I, I think what's interesting is how talented they were, yet they still had writers. So Groucho had S.J. Perelman, he had Nat Perrin, he had a lot of great writers. Um, and then Bob Hope had his team of writers, everyone from, um, uh, uh, I'm forgetting, from uh, MASH and uh, you know so many writers that he had over the years. Yet they were so brilliant that they could do it on their own. It just, it was a different time in the entertainment industry. Yeah, no, I, I can really agree with you more with all this stuff. Uh, Groucho too, you know, and I saw that you hit on uh, Steve Stolier as well, and uh, you know who had the Groucho book. We we had him on, so we haven't released that episode yet. But fascinating to talk to. But yeah, all these all these people, and they don't make that type of comedy anymore. Um, just a quick repartee, I, I'll say. And and no one was better than it than Bob Hope. And by the way, I, I see the picture behind you. Another one that I was a huge huge fan of was Rodney Rodney Dangerfield. So so. I see that. I think one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, that's that's the one thing that has changed in the entertainment industry. And, um, you know, talking to Bennett Yellen last year, who is a for folks who don't know, he's a writer and was one of the with the Fairley brothers creating Dumb and Dumber. And I was talking to him when he had plenty of time. He wasn't doing much because there was a writer strike going on. And what I fear going forward is this influx of AI that these yeah, writers are going to go by the wayside that you can just have some program. And instead of paying a writer, how I, I honestly, I don't know how much a Hollywood writer would make or how much they're commissioned for, but you just put it in chat GPT or some AI service and you're taking away that human, the soul, the human element of writing. And uh, I, I don't know. I I'm fearful for entertainment, which is why, when I bring up Groucho, when I bring up Bob Hope, and people say, Tony, how old are you? And I'm like, well, I'm 35. They're like, how does a 35 know who uh, Gummo Marks is? How do you know who uh, how, who Mini Marks? How do, you, how do you know any of these people? I said, because today's entertainment just does not have that same feel, that same uh, where you will go watch a movie. You don't know at that time. You'll never know when you'll be able to see that movie again. So you're a little bit more attentive. You're at the drive and you're at a movie theater. There isn't a VHS copy. There's no Betamax. There's there's no DVD yet. So this may be my only opportunity that I can see this Hope Crosby road picture. And unfortunately, the entertainment industry has either evolved or devolved, however people want to look at it. And I, I'm concerned we're not going to have these Bob Hopes, these it, uh, even Jack Nicholson, even people who are still alive. I'm afraid that we're losing that aspect of the entertainment industry. Well, you, you just hit upon several things that I'm passionate about. Also, uh, one of the things that you you know you said about the, the attention span, which I think is very true. People don't have the attention span that they did. It's everything is on quick cuts, and you know, let's get to let's just get to it. Uh, Movies that I enjoyed as a kid, like you know, one of the comedy classic. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Hours long would never be made today. Would never. It's you know too long for them. Um, and you know, a lot, most pictures would used to be much longer than they are now, and no one would have the attention span to that. And I am also concerned with the AI. I'm I'm a writer, and I do worry about that. And people in my industry worry about that because 
you know, it's the same thing as screenplays, just writing books. There, there are clauses now in things, you know, if agents want to represent you with writing, did you write this yourself? Did you, are you responsible for this content? Because it is something that needs to be addressed. It is something that needs to be worried about. And you can't, you, you are taking the soul, the human element out of it. And no AI, you know, at least not yet, it can replicate that aspect of it. But you do worry if they are at the level now that create whole books. And it is a, it is a concern that, uh, it's going to affect, you know, regular authors. Well, that's why I'm glad there are podcasts like yours and, well, when he was still alive and Gilbert Gottfried had his podcast and you're talking to people, it's a, I guess what it started off as for a Gilbert podcast was, oh, I'll get a couple of comedian friends and old actors that I know. And then it turned into a time capsule that it's something that we're chronicling this time because we're, I mean, when they were doing the podcast, I believe they had several people in their 90s who had passed away by the time Gilbert passed away. So you go back and listen to uh, to uh, Caroline Ray, Charlotte Ray, and, um, uh, you know, there, there's so many others that were a part of this, like Bill Macy and um, uh, I forgot what, what's his name. Um, I, I, boy, am I bad on names today? Uh, he was in Alice. Um there were so Vic many what, what what's that Vic Tabak? no not Vic Tabak. they had um oh what, what's his name he's um he was kind of like a side character on that show mm-hmm. um I'll I'll think about it here in a second but it those these shows I believe are very important and especially when we have YouTube we have podcast platforms to put this stuff out there and say guys if you're not happy with the Marvel movies and the Star Wars and the Harry mm-hmm. Potter and stuff there's other entertainment you can go back. You may have to go back a couple of decades, maybe several decades. You might even see movies without color, but just because they're black and mo- black and white doesn't mean they're bad movies. Doesn't mean they're old, outdated, whatever. And uh, I, I think we should encourage more people to understand there's way more entertainment out there than what they see on TikTok and Netflix. Uh, again, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's uh. I encourage people to go watch these old older movies and you'll you'll see. And it's tough because I know like my kids are, you know, sometimes they see that black and white old movie, they don't they just won't have the patience to even try to try to sit through it, even even attempt to sit through it. And I think they're doing themselves a disservice because these movies were so entertaining. They're classics for a reason. Like I said, I I still enjoy the the road pictures when I see them now. Uh and you said you had on Talking about guests in the nineties, you said you had on Hal Linden. Yes, yeah, uh, right. several years ago, yeah, right. Hal Linden was extremely entertaining, and you know a lot of these people in the nineties, and we've been on several in the nineties already, and just about everyone was really with it and just telling such fantastic stories. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, Hal Linden, you know, George Schlatter and Sid Croft, uh, all these people, and you know, Bonnie Bartlett we had on recently. All these people are in their nineties and they told wonderful showbiz anecdotes and just and just things that you can learn from. And I love Helen did not just from Barney Miller. I mean, just a lot of the uh things that his what a great career he's had on Broadway. Yeah, and his clarinet playing too. Right. Yeah. He loves that clarinet. I and I, I got a chance to meet him. It was about five years ago. So when oh, I fantastic. interviewed him and he was doing a play called Love Letters. And uh, for folks who don't know what it is, it's it's two people sitting on stage 
next to each other, but they're not in the same room and they're reading letters that they've written. And it's, it's funny. It's, it's sad. It's, uh, and, and there've been so many inter, uh, um, different uh, versions of this and different cast members. And the one I saw had Hal Linden and Barbara Eden. And oh, it, it was, <laughs> it was incredible. And especially because uh, she, uh, uh, she used to do it with Larry Hagman, which was kind of funny for for a number of years. They went on tour with that. But Hal Linden and Barbara Eden, who at that time were in their late 80s, now in their 90s, still look great. They still sound great. Uh, you wouldn't believe you just close your eyes and you say, oh, geez, that's it's it's Jeannie and it's Barney Miller that's that's sitting here. And they sounded great. And that's why to preserve these old, these these actors, these entertainers, these song and dance men, these uh, stars of stage and screen, what, however you want to label them, it's great to have these opportunities to put that out there and really tell younger millennials, Generation Z that, guys, uh, if you're bored, there, there's a whole archive. You can go <laughs> way back in time and go check it out. There's, We've been doing movies for, oh, I don't know, about 100 <laughs> years or so. Well, a lot of these movies, you could even you don't even have to go pay for them. I mean, you could find them on YouTube. A lot of the older movies that uh, you could just watch them for free. A lot of the you know I've seen the road pictures on there as well. Uh, and I know Charades, you know another older '60s movie that's not as old, but you could watch that for free a lot of places too. And that's a good movie. So, uh, speaking of movies and speaking of actors, how how did you and Ike get together? Um, I, Ike used to you know. They bully me. I tell people. So, <laughs> Ike, Ike and I met through a mutual friend, a author friend. You know, I used to, I used to be part of this group called from the Mixed Up Files, which does, uh, you know, reviews and talks about Kidlet, a lot of things in Kidlet. So, I used to interview authors or agents or editors, part of that, and I would always ask them, "What's their? What's your favorite?" Uh, what was your favorite childhood movie? Many of them said Escape to Witch Mountain. So I, I put that out, you know, and then one day one of my friends wrote me and said, you know, I happen to be friends with Ike Eisenman, you know, from Witch Mountain. So, like, oh, my gosh, we, you know, would he be, agree to an interview? And that's how we met. We, we met that way, you know, through an interview, and uh, we became friends. We hit it off. And then just one day I said, you know, we ever think about doing a podcast? This was like after, you know, I did, this was after like many times interacting. You ever think about doing a podcast? And that's it. We uh, determined to do it right after that. And it's been a lot of fun. It's just been getting to hear his stories, Ike's stories, and then getting, you know, us. And I like the aspect of it that Ike was in the business. You know, that's one of the things that we like. Someone that was in the business and someone that grew up watching all these films, too. So I mean we get different perspectives. I mean, look at this cast. I'm, I'm looking here at the at the uh, the poster here. You got Eddie Albert, Ray Milan, Donald Pleasance. I mean, it, it, you think about it. He was what in his early teens, maybe like 12, 13 years old. He was younger old. than that when he did this movie. Yeah. And so he, he gets it. to work with all these Hollywood icons. I mean, it, Ray Milland was yeah. could have owned Hollywood at one time. He was so big. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. We did, we did a Witch Mountain episode on uh, Pop Culture Retro. If anyone's interested in that, they should definitely watch. I, I was just covered both movies, you know, Escape and Return. Uh, and look, that, was, that movie I remember seeing in the theaters as a kid. Oh, it's uh, it's mind-boggling to me that I, a movie that I enjoyed as a kid, you know, I'm doing something with the the star of the movie. So that's it's still still a lot of fun for me for that aspect. 
And and by the way, Donald Pleasance, uh, yeah. guest star in the in my opinion, the best Columbo episode, any old part of the storm. <laughs> I, I don't I wouldn't be familiar with it if I until I saw it. I did like used to like Columbo. I don't remember probably won't remember the, the specifics of it. But whenever anyone comes on, one of the things that they automatically do is, you know, when they, they know who Ike is, they start asking about Betty Davis from Return, you know, what it was like working with her. So <laughs> and that was one I was fascinated with as well. It's it's so funny because uh, one of the channels that gets like cozy TV or whatever, and I'll I'll just flip through I have YouTube TV, and I'll see Columbo's on, and I see what what Columbo, and if it says 1990, I'm like, oh, it's one of the new Columbo's, and my wife will say <laughs> there is no new Columbo, and I said, no, you don't <laughs> understand. There was the old one. She's like, I do understand, but they're not new. And I said, no, they brought it back for these weird specials throughout the 90s that were. Not really that good. Uh, you would have George Went as the killer, and uh, you'd have a couple of others. And and uh, I think I think the last Columbo was in January of two thousand three. That they were still putting oh. poor old Peter Falk out there yeah. to do I don't Columbo. That went that long, you're right. But going back to what you said now, going back and watching old series, I do get like there are certain series that changed in a certain season. And I will only like the earlier seasons as opposed to when a change happened in later seasons. So that's what, you know, reminding me when you just said about Colombo. So, yes, there there is a, Dylan, you know, a defining divider, I guess, when uh, in certain things. I've always said about Colombo where you watch the early episodes, which people probably don't know this, but the, the original idea for Colombo is supposed to be Bing Crosby. And I, that I did not know. And one of the reasons he didn't want to do it is because you're talking about the early 70s. Bing lived a couple of more years after that and didn't want to interrupt his golf game. <laughs> so <laughs> they found Peter Falk, who was in the aforementioned Mad Mad World, and uh, was doing a lot of stage work and was nominated for awards. And obviously it worked out. But it what you were mentioning about the the how a show changes that. Yeah. By the 90s, he became the catchphrase guy. So when everyone says, when he does the just one more thing, in the early episodes, I would say in the first run, you rarely, if at all, hear him say that. It's almost like that Mandela effect. Is it the Berenstein or Berenstain Bears? <laughs> right. And they said, did he actually say it? Well, yeah, he did by the 90s because it was just, oh, here it is. You catchphrase have to put it time. Right. He's going to do it. He's about to walk away, and the killer thinks he's getting, oh, just, just one more thing. It's, uh, it's something that's really been bothering me. And I'm like, oh, man, you you became catchphrase guy. I mean, they weren't bad, comparatively speaking. But again, if I'm going to see a Jack Cassidy Columbo, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm watching that. But if I'm watching, I don't know, uh, one of the one of the 90s versions, I'm going to, I'll skip. I'll skip that. <laughs> I, I still I probably still watch them. I haven't watched Columbo in a long time, and I used to they did used to like it. Um, I like the Rockford Files as well. <laughs> thing heart to heart. Mm -hmm. I did watch all those things. Another another show that changed a little bit, and you had Anson Williams on was Happy Days. That and changed a lot. Not it changed, and it was on so long. It was on, I think, what eleven seasons. Yeah. The uh, the later ones to me were just not as fun. 
they weren't. I mean, everybody talks about the jumping the shark. Fonzie jumps, literally jumps the shark. And that's in our colloquialism of, oh, that's when, you know, a series has reached its peak and now everything else is going to go downhill after that. Yeah. Now, they it was still a very popular show through the rest of the 70s. But as far as the creativity and that they were finding different storylines and then they bring Scott Bayo on and uh, and Laverne and Shirley and they were and they were oh let's let's force let's force feed a spinoff over this and hey what happened to that Chuck guy he went up to the attic and never came back down <laughs> and it just it, that's another show that I'll look at if it's on I'll go all right what uh, what year okay oh 1974 75 because it's celebrating the 50th anniversary I believe uh, just the other day that uh, it was 50 years since it debuted but then yeah then you're starting to watch the ones with uh with Ted McGinley in the well, 80s. Oof. I think I think even to me, all right, I shouldn't say it because it's blasphemous. I know Happy Days to me even changed way before then. Where when from those early from the early shows where it was like filmed to later on when it went before the live audience for one. I think the show changed a little bit there. And then once they had Fonzie move in, I thought the show just really changed from that point on. It was not it was not the same. It didn't have the same feel to it anymore. To yeah, me. and it was and also at the beginning he wasn't wearing the leather jacket. Right. Yes. Because it was apparently, I don't know, gang or hell's angels or whatever that they wanted it didn't want to have negative connotations. And the other one is they didn't want him on his motorcycle. He stood near it to under to imply that that right. is Fonzie's. <laughs> is his motorcycle but he's not going to be on it until that character just took off after that and of course uh henry winkler by the way not hasn't been on my podcast he i would assume if he he should he's probably on your uh short list of podcasts one of the nicest men you'll ever meet we just we just talked about him yesterday with a different guest and who confirmed that that henry winkler is the nicest person in hollywood that's just they, so, yeah. such a nice guy. He helped yeah. uh, Marley Matlin, uh, and you know, in, in her early days, uh, and so it's just really, really nice guy. But uh, I mean, your I mean, your podcast, you talk about all this stuff, and it's it, it's really cool. I, I also want to uh, let people know that you're not just a podcaster; you're an, you're you're an author. I mean, you're a, ch a children's book author. Yes, I uh, have several published uh, kids books out. And yeah, that's my site. <laughs> I have several published kids' books out, and uh, it's a lot of fun writing for it. I have, uh, you know, I, do, I can do the shameless plugging and tend to my books, but you can find it on my site. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, these are, yeah. these are these are these are kind of interesting because what you do is you do put that age range for people to say, all right, so kids that okay, maybe it'll be a little not for a, a four year old or a six year old, but maybe if you're around ten. So that's I think it's a really good idea for parents. Yeah, I, that's the my most of my published stuff is around that uh, age range, that you know, eight to thirteen year range. Um, current, currently, <laughs> it's funny I say that because I do love writing for kids. Currently, my agent is shopping an adult thriller I I wrote, so I'm trying to veer away from it a little bit. But I do I do enjoy writing for kids, and actually, Ike and I uh, are in the process of revising a screenplay that we just did together. Oh, that's great. 
Oh, yeah, yeah one, one of these times I'll have to I'll have to talk to Ike. That'd be pretty cool to talk to, to bounce stuff off of him. Uh, but I mean, it's it, it's interesting because when you think about children's books, and you know, a lot of that's been in the the press lately about uh, certain books and book bannings mm-hmm. and everything. And uh, it, it, I guess the most surprising thing to me is somebody who I would love to have kids. We're let's just say we're working on it. <laughs> Not very <laughs> successful, but uh, I'm uh, I, I would love to be a dad. But to me, in the days of the tablets, the cell phones and the smartphones and the smart TVs and everything, I'm I'm hoping that kids are still reading books. Kids still are reading books. Uh, It's funny. They're reading books in different formats as well. It's funny. I've also written stories that are on just story apps that aren't published in stores. They're just on story apps. So there are different venues for, for reading, for literature. But yeah, there are still a lot of kids reading and it, you know, goes through cycles, what sells, what doesn't sell. You know, sometimes they have like young adult sells better than middle grade books. And sometimes it's middle grade more than young adult. Uh, what type of genres can go hot this moment, hot next, but there are still kids reading. And that, that is a good thing. The kids still want to devour books. And I think, you know, you find a book, you find something that takes off, you know, have like the, I know it's older now, you know, we have like the Harry Potters comes along or the Percy Jackson th- series comes along. And that's great for the whole entire industry because, you know, something gets hot and then kids will get into reading. Whatever it is, kids get into reading and then they're willing to go on and devour other books as well. That's what I'm hoping for, because I, I know when I was a kid, I was not a reader. I was uh, I, every so often I would see a book and, and but I was a sports fan. I wanted a sports book, but then sports books were boring. And <laughs> and, uh, and as I got older, I started reading a lot. But I, I also was into the nonfiction because sometimes nonfiction is even more crazy than fiction. Um, so I, I think that's that that appreciation that nowadays being well read i mean you can go a, lo- a long time before the days of smartphones and reading things and not knowing how to type that uh at least in the 90s you go the whole summer you don't even pick up a book you don't do any of that mm-hmm. you just you're just playing out and outside you're rollerblading or doing something like that at least now with smartphones kids have that opportunity where they can read and very early yes. and now now when you're seeing six month old kids with ipads it's whoa, whoa <laughs> we're really we've really jumped the chasm haven't we yeah but, but again i i don't think it's necessarily but i i agree with you totally about the smartphone thing about the kids are too addicted to it, and we, and so are we. I mean, it's not just kids; Every, everyone's addicted to them now. But if they're reading through that, I think that that is good because, like I said, there are different formats to it. And I grew up the same way. I I was a big reader as a kid. I read a lot of this, you know. I did read a lot of nonfiction as well as fiction. I still do. I'm one of the people like every night I'll I have like four different books I can go through, and every night I'll read a, like a chapter from one of them or some or maybe more than one of them. So, but I do read a lot of nonfiction now, but I think kids, you know, to me, whatever turns them on to reading, if they read, if they like reading nonfiction, that's great. If they like reading comic books, that's great. Graphic, I know kids are very into graphic novels and the manga stuff right now. So anything to me that they're reading, that's fantastic. And hopefully it leads to appreciation of other types of books as well. Well, and also being more well-read because of a lot of what's been happening in the news. And I know you're somebody that uh, you've posted a lot about the the conflict going on in the Middle East right now. And not not to get too heavy in it, but I mean, this it's something that what I've noticed 
is kind of on a lot of different different angles, but especially on the more pro-Palestinian angle, uh, I don't see a lot of people very well read, very very well researched on what they're talking about. So they're saying these sayings, they're putting up signs everywhere, and they don't know what they're talking about. And a lot of them, and that's what I'm concerned about going forward is that people have the power to sway things and change people's minds, yet either they're purposely driving narratives of what, what's going on in the Middle East right now, or they don't know what they're talking about, and it's confusing a lot of people. So, I mean, it's this is, an, this is a very odd time, and it's a very odd time for uh, people of, of uh, the Jewish faith right now. And and I know with a name like Rose, and I, I can only guess, right? <laughs> well, yes, I, I had no idea this this conversation was going to go up there. So, um, well, and that's why yeah. I, I didn't want to get too heavy, but I know that you've been talking about it, so I was just I was just curious I, you know, about because well, you know going back in the days when I was in school of reading Diary Van Frank and Ellie Wiesel and others that I don't know if that's still happening nowadays. I don't think it's happening enough nowadays, and it should there. There is a lot of things through TikTok, and that's been in the news a lot. There is a lot of, and in schools too, there is a lot of indoctrination through TikTok and people just, you know, whatever they see on social media, that has to be the truth. You know, if so, why would someone put it on social media if it's not true? People are not doing things on their own. People are not, no matter what side of things you're on, but people are not doing enough research on their own or finding out things on their own to, to you know, they, they, they think what's, know if whatever they're being told that has to be the truth and I'm, i don't have to investigate anything else to it and you need to you have to be a critical thinker you have to like go and, uh, and see what's going on and you shouldn't start speaking out about things that you don't understand uh and i, I see that happening a lot and i also see like i said people being indoctrinated to certain points of view and it's dangerous and it's not just for this it's dangerous with anything that if you're going to just be Going your founding your information of what you see in a TikTok video, it's asking for trouble as a society. That you're not you're not aware of you know really the the nuances or what the depth of anything of any issue, and it is very tough. And yes, there's a lot of anti-Semitism going on right now. I see it a lot in all over, of course, and I see it a lot even in my own industry, in the publishing industry. And yes, I've been very outspoken on it. I've lost. I noticed I've lost followers from the publishing industry and I've gained a whole bunch of other followers from other other walks of life. So, you know, I'm going, something that's important to me, I will still speak out on. I try not to, I don't get political at all. Uh, this issue is important to me, anti-Semitism, because it's, you know, affecting Jews all around, you know, everywhere. And I, I see it, I, I feel it. I've never felt it more than I do now, how scary it is to be Jewish. And that's you were you were mentioning about uh, that it really shouldn't be political, but of course everything now nowadays has become it, political. This should not be a political thing, right? To to be able to go point out and saying atrocities were committed against these people, you know, women were raped. That should not be a political thing. It should not be. It should, but they had the, the people before Congress, you know, the the heads of the universities condemning them for their response and anti-Semitism. That shouldn't be political. That should be a bipartisan thing, you know, condemning what's going on in the schools, not, not protecting your Jewish students. And yet somehow that became a political issue, too. I don't understand why. That should not be. That's one thing that should not be political. There are several, not just one thing. I mean, there are several things that shouldn't be, but that should not be a political issue. 
I will not discuss things, and I don't care who people vote for. I really don't in some things. You know, I I won't condemn anyone who votes liberal. I won't condemn anyone who votes conservative. I, you know, you have every right to do what you want to do. To me, you know, if I, if I say how I feel on a political issue, other than this, this is anti-Semitism, but I look at it differently. If I, if I say how, you know, I feel on a political issue, then I failed. Because I, I grew up in this time that everyone respected other people's views. And I want people to, you know, on the left to buy my books and enjoy them. I want people on the right to buy my books to enjoy them. I'm not, yeah, I'm you, not going. It, that's the one thing is that even though you're passionate about this, you're not passionate from a political angle. And I think that's what happens is that we we as a culture nowadays have put the political before everything else. That it's Correct. you're this and you're that. The one interesting thing, though, about the I, I don't want to say interesting in but because it's it's sad, and it's deadly. But one thing that's different is this doesn't seem to be a a, a black and white issue in that. One party believes this, one party believes that, because you're seeing far left and far right have been shown a lot of anti-Semitism as well, uh, where it's almost like that horseshoe theory. It's like they they disagree so much that they start to agree a little bit more. And then you're seeing a lot of and that, that's what was interesting about the the professors in Harvard and a lot of the donors, a lot of the donors at these schools have voted Democrat and along and supported Joe Biden, supported Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. And yet. Their students, the, all this money, the millions that they've been sending over to Harvard and all these Ivy League schools, and they're like, "Wait a second! Now you're saying that from the river to the sea is not is justified free speech? Like, uh, we feel kind of ripped off here a little bit." So that's why it, it it became political. Yet it's not strictly down like one side believes this, one side believes that. It's kind of all over the place. That's what's so interesting, and it's such a wedge issue with this conflict. I. One of the things, you know, I, I don't, I loathe getting political on anything there too. I, yes, far left and far right, you know, we, we, I disagree with you on this. I disagree with you on that. You know, oh, we hate Jews. Hey, we hate Jews. Okay. We agree on something. So that's one of the things that the far left and the far, far right can't agree on together. But, um, but yeah, when I see, when I see certain members and like I'm registered, you know, however, I'm registered to vote at a certain for a certain party affiliation. I will vote. I don't want to necessarily vote for them every time. I don't go right down the line. I vote to, based on what I what I see affects things that I'm interested in. And when I see someone like you know, like Elise Stefanik, who who grilled the, uh, the the you know the the, the professors, the, the uh, administrators, the presidents of these universities. People were like saying, oh, I can't think, you know, like the Saturday Night Live sketch that they did on her was abhorrent to me. You know, this was, you know, this woman, you know, I don't care how you vote. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. She held their feet to the fire. You, she should be applauded for that. I don't care who you voted for. And so people that saying, I'm not, I can't stand her because she's Republican. I don't care what she is. She held, you know, she was doing the thing that needed to be done. If, a, you know, someone else, Democrat, like I see, she's doing it. I see Richie Torres, a Democrat, doing it. I there see there are people who are, are doing it, and I and if I could vote for you know them both, I would vote for them both. I don't care what the party is because I see that they're doing things that are that are important to me. It's uh, we're in interesting times, and uh, I I 
I don't I don't know where else. I mean, I I, I apologize to, for blindsiding you with that question. It's just it was something like I mentioned before we did the podcast that, you know, sometimes we'll just get into a conversation. But when you were talking about about kids and learning and everything, and then you mentioned the term indoctrination, that. I, I don't want kids to be indoctrinated because of other factors and everything. And I don't, you know, but you also want them to have some kind of background that, that they should know what they're talking about, that they, that if they're curious about something and that they come to the parents and say like, what, what was nine 11? What was, uh, what was COVID? What were all these kind of things? You're like, all right, well, I think you're old enough. It's time that you should know what was going on in some of these huge moments in American and world history right now. And uh, it's a uh, it's it's an interesting crossroads. And I hope uh, so I hope we're learning lessons. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off of that. No, you're what good. you just mentioned the 9-11 when you have kids and this is, you know, college students, for the most, you know, high school, college students recently. And this was, I think, last month that there was a whole big thing. And I'm sure you saw it, too. Where people were like, you know, watching TikTok videos. Hey, maybe Bin Laden was right, you know, about, you know, destroying the Twin Towers, well, you know, killing all those people. When you have people like praising Bin Laden, you know, there's a problem. There's a problem in this country that that's why I use the term indoctrination, that they, people, kids, students are being indoctrinated to, to, to hold certain views. And a lot of it is anti Jewish things, a lot of it is anti America things. But when you have you have people praising Bin Laden, you know we failed in some capacity. Yeah, right I, it was one. It's one of those. Uh, there's a meme that's online where they say that uh, you don't, in fact, have to hand it to Osama Bin Laden. And I, I remembered seeing that. Yeah, it was a couple of months ago on TikTok where they're all just reading the letter, which is, I guess, just being right. scrubbed from a lot of sites, and saying, "Well." Hmm? Yeah. What about? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't know about, I don't know about you TikTok people, but I, I happen to be alive on that particular Tuesday in September of 2001. I remembered that. I remembered seeing that. There's conspiracy theories. We could, you, you can get into anything about the insurance and Building Seven and all that, but the fact of the matter is, three thousand people died, and regardless of anything that led up to it, three thousand people died. And you're going to sit here shrugging your shoulders on TikTok because you're 19 years old. You weren't even alive during it that right, and say, right. well, maybe you got to hand it to him. No, you friggin do not. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. It. I I mean, that that day, I, like many people there, you know, I, I remember exactly where I was. It, it hit me so, so badly that that day. And you can't go and now start praising the murderer. It just it's it's mind boggling to me. Now, I'm going to try to do my best to transition out of this, <laughs> but when, you, when you're a writer, whether you're writing for screenplays or you're writing books, how much of lived experience or uh, something that you put into it that you are putting in your books that uh, are like, for example, I'm not saying that October 7th and what's been happening after that, that you're going to compile something, but is, is there something that's driving you in order to do that, that, or you're doing a podcast on something that you see something like that. And what can I do to, I guess, scratch the itch that you're dealing with? Or like how much of, do you put into it as far as uh, your personal life and, and your feelings into your books based on just like, whether it's world it events depends. or anything? It's a good question. It all depends what I'm doing at that time because if i'm if i'm going to write a kids book i and i 
don't, I don't put any, and I used to be a teacher as well, by the way, I, I used to be a teacher and I would never, ever put my political beliefs to the class. I would get, I would present them and this, I'm being dead honest here. You know, I swear to you, I swear on my life. I would never present my feelings as this is the right way. So I, I try to present both sides always and let the kids make a determination. You know, I said, this is what this party believes. This is what that party believes. So the same thing now, I, depends what I'm doing. If I'm going to be talking about like online on Twitter, and Twitter is really the only place that I'm doing it, Facebook too occasionally, I am posting a lot about what's going on in the world and a Jewish Jews. And so I think it's important and I wish more Jews would speak up because, you know, it's one of those things. If not now, when are you going to do this? You know, this this is the time. This is, it's happening now. You, you cannot be silent right now. But if I'm writing for kids, I don't want to put in things like necessarily that unless I'm writing a book about that topic. If I'm writing a book about um, a Jewish kid maybe facing anti-Semitism, those feelings are going to come through for sure. But if I'm writing a book like I did, you know, before, like you know, my first book, Night of the Living Puddle Bunnies, I would not have anything in there to do. Because to me, I just want to entertain. I don't want to put in my political beliefs. I just want to entertain and have kids enjoy the book, not, you know, saying, hey, this is what you need to believe. So there is there is a fine line. There is a little bit of a nuance with it. It all de- really all depends what I'm what I'm doing, what I'm working on. Even the screenplay, the one that I just finished with Ike, that was just an entertainment thing. I did not put any of my feelings in it. But, you know, if we wanted to get a little more heavy handed and do like a political messaging film, for sure, I believe in. That's not me. I don't like I don't like heavy handedness. I don't like, you know, pushing my ideology on other people. Um and if I'm doing an entertainment type thing, you and I talking about this, that's something different. If I would do another podcast that just based on my beliefs, I would let them, you know, through then too. But if I'm just going to do, write something for entertainment value, I try to keep that side out of it. Yeah, that's that's one thing that's interesting you said about being a teacher. And I remember growing up, uh, I, I don't recall my teachers, unless I just am not remembering it. I don't remember them bludgeoning us over the head with political beliefs or beliefs in you know sexuality or gender and that kind of stuff. And now you're seeing on TikTok and all these stories about teachers. I'm like, what happened? Is that my generation? Did, did the millennials, did uh, we when we finally took over, we're like, all right, now you're going to know everything who I voted for everywhere like what right. happened everything changed. I, I agree yeah I, I would never I, kids always used to ask me during when I was teaching who who I voted for I would never tell them who I voted for it's it's not their business they could vote who they want and now right you're right everyone feels the need to this is how you should believe instead of you know instead of letting kids make a nuanced decision on their own so it's that's why that's why I used the term before there's a lot of pushing of agendas right now and, and I I think that's too detriment of a nation. Well, that's, I mean, if you're going to talk about pushing an agenda, some place you will not get an agenda pushed is on the Pop Culture Retro Podcast <laughs> with Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen, my guest today. And uh, um, so I, I see you put these podcasts out once a week. Um, you know, I'm, again, like I said, I have a whole queue of these podcasts that I really want to get into and listen to. And yeah, it, kind of wrapping it up here is that after like a lot of the serious stuff that we talk about here, that you can still have that outlet where like, oh, hey, we have uh, Henry Winkler is going to be on next week with us. and We're going to talk that, you know, that, OK, look, 
People are coming to us as a as an escape. This is something. It's a diversion from the 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 horrors of real life. And like just like sports, that's why a lot of people got upset when politics bled into sports because people want to watch the Super Bowl. Well, they'll, they'll watch the Taylor Swift now, but but they they want to watch <laughs> they want to watch football to see a bunch of uh, uh, like gladiators cr- crashing into each other and beating on each other. That was their big. That's why you go. They didn't want to come for the political messaging. So that's the one interesting thing about doing these type of shows is. You do a you do a podcast. You have an old uh, actor on, and you're talking about the old days. You're talking shop. So for that one hour, that hour and a half that you're doing this, you get to kind of forget about what's really going on in the world. And for the listener and for the viewer, that they can say, "All right, thank thank God." Now look, <laughs> tough day at work, tough day at home, tough day of uh, what's going on in the news. I'm just going to lose myself in this podcast for the next hour and a half. Yeah, we've had look, we've we've had on guests who have spouse their beliefs as well and i i will never comment on it one way or the other whether i agree with them or not um but yeah for me this is not the purpose of it i don't i don't it's what you just said to me this is for entertainment i want to be entertained i don't want to i don't want to watch things that give me your beliefs on things i i want to just be entertained at certain points and that's why i, I like i enjoy doing this it is an escape for me as well. And I hope people tune in that uh, it's an escape for them. Well, I do. I do enjoy the podcast. I recommend it to everybody listening and watching this podcast. And if you want more information about Jonathan, mm-hmm. uh, go to houseofrosen.com and uh, check out everything there. I believe uh, uh, you, you have some, like you mentioned about the screenplay, you have other projects coming up. And uh, yeah, one of these days when you get these, uh, these off the ground as well, I'd love to have you back on. We'll talk about that too. I'd love to appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, and thank you for having me. Jonathan, uh, thank you so much for being on, and thank you folks for listening to the podcast. It is the Check Your Brain podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, uh, I've got more episodes for you on my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Uh, I'm also on YouTube. I am on the major podcast platforms and uh, it's at, uh, wherever. I mean, we'll... We'll we'll keep it going. We'll uh, we'll entertain. We'll inform. We'll uh, we'll keep the conversation flowing here on this podcast, the Check Your Brain <laughs> podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you next Wednesday with another episode of the Check Your Brain podcast. So go there, uh, and in, until then, leave me a five star rating. Leave Jonathan a five star <laughs> rating. Why not? Just the mi- although I think you've got so many more five star ratings. I have a couple, so. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, I think you have like you have perfect <laughs> marks using a teaching uh analogy you have perfect <laughs> marks on yours but uh no i appreciate you coming on i appreciate you folks for listening and i'll be back with you folks next wednesday with another podcast bye everybody